It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. This episode of Bushers Breakaway is brought to you by Daniel Wellingtons. Do you want to meet your favorite hockey player, Brady Shea? Of course you do. Are you going to be around Queen Center Mall this Saturday at 11 a.m.? Probably, because you're going to be meeting Brady Shea. If you want to have a chance to meet Brady Shea, show up bright and early to Daniel Wellingtons at the Queen Center Mall this Saturday. I'm going to have more details about this later in the podcast, but you'll be able to have an autographed box from Brady Shea and have a photo opportunity with him. If you want more details, you can go to DanielWellington.com. All right. Also, this podcast is brought to you by, this weekend, April 13th, the Gin Mill, New York City, Bullshit Breakaway and the Knicks Wall are having an intimate Q&A session where we have drinks and talk about the future of the Rangers and the Knicks. If you want to join us, you can go to twitter.com slash Break. That's our Twitter, and it's the pinned post. You can buy an Event Hubs ticket for Event Hubs. Event Bright ticket for $10. I hope to see you there. We'll be uh, Greg and I will be enjoying... And crying probably about the, the pick we get at that point in time. Maybe we'll do an emergency podcast if we get the first overall pick by the time this comes out. All right, really long episode today. Like, crazy long. Hockey Statmatter comes on. We got Pete Blackburn coming on to talk playoffs. Just a lot of goodness for the Rangers. Happy end of season, or sad end of season, one of them. Hope you guys enjoy. Here we go. Hey, Bushman Breaker Feds, welcome to another week of the Bushman's Breakaway. The season is over. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, as per always, Gregory Kaplan. Greg, say hello. When's the last time? I don't have a... An overrated? overrated? I don't have Bryce one yeah, okay. I don't have one today, but yeah. I, I have... It's because for the last two days, I've been thinking of this one topic. When's the last time you legitimately felt bad for a professional athlete? Not in the man, we haven't got Henrik Lundqvist a Stanley Cup felt bad kind of way because Hank is still Hank and he's special and he's done a whole lot in his career. But when's the last time you sat down and watched a professional athlete and it's just not there anymore and you're like, man, this needs to end for his sake, for my sake, for everybody's sake. So I watched Chris Davis bat over the weekend. And I got to tell you, he's about to break the hitless record and like the strikeout himself record in the MLB. It's pretty sad. You know, I know the guy hit 53 dongers a couple years ago, but man, not great. It's over. Yeah. My, I wasn't even thinking of Chris Davis. Mine is Trevor Rosenthal. Yeah, rest in peace. It was, it's just, it was, the the Met game on Sunday was one of the weirdest experiences I've ever witnessed firsthand <laughs> well, in my entire life. Welcome to the Rangers podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, but the Nationals had a six-run lead. They brought Rosenthal in to start, start the inning. He threw seven pitches. He hit a batter, threw two wild pitches, walked the guy, and they pulled him. Phenomenal. In a six-run game. He's got no outs. He's, he has an infinite ERA. We have. It, a, is, is, I, is there a Ranger player you felt bad for this year, just to bring this back home? This year or, like, ever? I guess you saw the Hank video, right? Where I got a couple texts yesterday from people being like, 
Is Hank retiring? No. Yeah, I got the same texts too, and I had no idea what they were talking about because, again, I was at a Met game all day, and I was like, no, he's not fucking retiring. And then I watched the video. We live in a world now where unless a a person explicitly says everything that they're about to do, we just assume the worst. Well, we've also – I think we've come to know athletes pretty well by dealing with them all the time. And at the end of the season, all you want to do is retire. Like the last thing you want to do at the end of a hockey season is probably play more hockey. You just want to sit on a beach. You've you've seen this in, in other sports such as the NFL. Like Ben Roethlisberger has said he's going to retire how many seasons in a row? Like three, four? Yeah, but he's also like said the word retire. Henrik Lundqvist has been straight up honest and open about everything, including his desire to never leave the New York Rangers. So I feel like the day Hank actually hangs him up, He's going to say it explicitly. Yeah, he's going to be like, this like, is my hey last guys, game. It's $7,000 to come into this game. Enjoy. And I would Also, ask- if Hank was retiring, if Hank was retiring, I think Hank would have asked to play one of the last two games of the year. Absolutely. And I went on Twitter and it was just everyone being like, he didn't say see you next year. Like, is that really what we're going with? Is that, yeah. <laughs> that's really our evidence here? The amount of times I've signed yearbooks without saying see you next year. It doesn't mean I ever retired yeah, from school. I still didn't talk to those people. Um, uh, we have Ranger, so much Ranger, to go through. That, oh, yeah. Ranger, well, but you asked the question. I didn't answer it. That's true. Uh, I guess I guess the last guy, really, like, it It just left Brad Richards Oof. really quickly. Oof. Right? That's a good answer. And he won the cup the next year, but he wasn't the same guy. No. And it, it, it's not like he won. they won the cup because Brad Richards was they, there. It's they like, did oh, not. Brad Richards was awesome. Yeah, he's uh, like a fourth line. Yeah, it just – yeah, it – it went from productive hockey player to how much are we paying him again? Like really quick. Uh, I guess you could say the same about Ray, Wade Redden, but I, I felt worse about Richards because Richards felt like a important moment for the Rangers when they signed him. And it was going well, and then it didn't. And it was gone. And they had to buy him out. That was it. Let's talk about, because we have a lot to go through today, Greg. We have a big show. Okay, so let's just announce some things. We have a ton of Ranger topics. We have one of our best friends on the Twitterverse coming on, Hockey Stat Miner, our good friend who works for uh, another blog, which I will not name. And then we have Pete Blackburn from CBS Sports coming on to talk playoff preview. So first, I would like to talk about the New York Rangers final games, Greg. Uh-huh. And how I, ha- I had the privilege to go to the final home game this year. And uh, our good friend Dan invited us, and then we got I got upgraded, and I was sitting there, and... The entire garden was probably the loudest I've heard it. Like, the whole, I was there opening night. It was louder that against the Blue Jackets. It was actually louder. People were going nuts. And when it was 2-1 left with, like, 20 seconds, I was like, they're probably going to score. We're going to go overtime because we go to overtime so much. And we honestly thank God for the Oilers, who ended up winning their game. We would have been slotted in seventh picking in the draft. But instead, we're slotted in sixth. We could have probably been slotted a little higher. And because Pavel Buchnevich... Uh, and the frontline minutes you've always wanted him to get are on the top line. He's playing out of his mind. He scores with six seconds remaining. And, Greg, the entire garden goes absolutely bonkers. Everyone's screaming. Everyone's celebrating. And me and my friend Dan, who you're aware of, are sitting in the chairs. And just, we don't even jump up. And we just, like, have our hands in our heads. Am I wrong to have that reaction? Because I was so conflicted in that moment. No, and... It's just interesting to me that the garden went crazy. They went I, I, Greg, crazy is not correct. They went insane. People were going bonkers. 
I don't, I just, I don't know what I, I, I am. I consider myself a veteran of watching shitty teams play. That's fair. So I, I know when you get to the end of the season, it's a couple games left and your mind starts wandering elsewhere that you really don't care about results anymore, specifically for the Rangers. The weird thing about the lottery is you actually care about results, but it's like the opposite of the results. Uh-huh. In baseball, you don't have a lottery. So if you suck, you just suck. Like, it's that simple. That's it. Um, so you, you never have to really root for losses to get better odds to get a better player. Also, the baseball draft is just three years out. Like, you don't really give a fuck who you draft. And it's also just like, them. it's a real lottery because they're like, those kids, you have no idea. It's, you have no idea. Um but at the same time, the thing I can compare it to was the David Wright game last year. I, If I'm going heavy Mets, it's because you guys fucking pissed me off on Sunday telling me to take that shit off the timeline. Hold Guess on. what? First, this is now a Mets First off, no. There's two of us. Second, um, <laughs> it's, it's it's the vocal minority, and you know that. We have thousands of I listeners, do. or six, I do. This and is, only two of them is, said, <laughs> said the Mets is, thing. Now, they're not the this first is, person to say that, Gregor. I know you're pissed. I had, uh, once upon a time, many them. years ago, many years ago said, hey, maybe we shouldn't do the Mets takes on the Twitter as much. You said, fuck you. And I said, okay. And that was that. <laughs> uh, no, but this, this, this does have, it, it does have a point because okay. when, when I was at that right game and Austin Jackson hits a walk-off double in like the 13th inning or whatever, there wasn't, like, it wasn't people happy the Mets won. It was people relieved that the game was over. So I just, I don't know why the garden went nuts. You want, you want an honest truth about that uh, Blue Jackets game? I do. I put it, I put it on. Mm-hmm. I had all, all the in, intent in the world to watch that game because the Mets were off. So I, it's not like I had any other plans. Uh, I got about five minutes into the game. And on a Friday night, I was like, I got to do something else with my night. I can't watch this. I can't blame you. I was and there. I, and it was. I can't remember, but Ryan, I can't remember the last time. And it's been a long fucking season. But even earlier this season, if the Rangers were on and I was up and I didn't have plans, I was watching the game because I like watching Ranger games. But there's just something about this game where it was almost. It wasn't that I was. I'm, I was tired of the season. I just didn't want to go through the process of no. I knew exactly how that game was going to go. It's, I didn't feel like I needed to sit there and watch it. It's and. I can't remember ever feeling that way about the Rangers, the Mets, a football game at the end of the season. I legit, it's the first time I can think of in my entire life where I had nothing else going on that night. And I decided, I think, I think I downloaded Iron Man and I watched Iron Man. Iron Man 1? Oh, you're, yeah. you're watching well, all the Marvels in a row. Yeah, yeah I'm watching all the Marvels in chronological order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Iron Man was on my list. And I was like, I'd much rather just watch this movie that I know I've seen 20 times. <sighs> All right. Well, it was a overall good game. This, I guess if I had to define this season, and th- by the way, the next day they play the Penguins, a team that should crush them uh, and absolutely go to overtime. And Bushnevich has really, and will be the topic of, he's really proved himself and will be the topic of our offseason by like, probably a lot. We'll be talking a lot of Bushnevich, so we won't be doing that today. But we have a lot more to hit on because... Uh, I don't know if you heard this, Gregory, but Sather, Glenn Sather, he's a guy that's like maybe the president of the Rangers or formerly was because he has stepped down. What were your takes on that going away? Like that kind of came out of nowhere, I believe, for both of us. It came out of nowhere. At the same time, it, it's it's interesting because 
I don't know about you, but I I felt like Glenn Sather hasn't really been involved significantly in this team on a daily basis for maybe the last two years at least. Uh, it, he felt like he had a big big deal with Elaine Vino's extension, but since that extension, it, it really felt like he kind of took his cue behind the curtain and checked out a little bit. And then the letter, the letter really felt like a Jeff Gordon brainchild. It's the thing that's weird to me about Sather. I'm not here to do pleasantries about Glenn Sather's tenure. I mean, I think it is what it is. You don't need me or you to go over it. Uh, he got a all world goalie in the seventh round of the draft and came very close a couple times to building a cup winning team. Eventually, uh, ultimately, didn't do it. And you need to ask yourself as a New York Ranger fan if getting close is good enough to call it a successful tenure that mm-hmm. to each their own. Mm-hmm. Um, it, to each their own. I, I'm not here to pass judgment on Glenn Sather's career. All I know is he got close and he didn't win. It's really that simple. So come to terms with it however you want. I know I have. Uh, personally, it felt like he tried to – Extend the extend the window past the point of no return, and the last thing is usually the thing you get remembered for. So there you go. But uh, the thing that's weird to me, and I'm curious to your taste take mm-hmm. on this as well. I don't know how the Rangers could hire someone above Gorton and allow Gorton to continue doing whatever he wants to do. That's kind of it seems backwards. It does seem backwards, and the you know where I'm going with this. I think there's only really one answer. If you're going to hire one person, there's only one person you can really hire above Gordon, isn't there? Stevie Y. Yeah, Stevie Y. Mr. Eiserman. But at the same time, what if Eiserman has a completely different plan than what Gordon's been doing? You kind of have to let Eiserman do that plan, right? Yeah. Also, if you're Steve Eiserman, don't you want to hire your own guys? He has to have a nice relationship with Jeff Gordon the amount of times those guys have made trades but at the same time just I don't under it, it's weird to me when, when it was announced I said the logical thing would be to promote Gordon the president and promote Drury to GM and basically just continue doing what you're doing and allow Glenn Sather to do whatever Glenn Sather wants to do as his senior advisor to the owner that, that's the only way in my mind it made sense to allow the process to play out because if you're bringing in Iserman, what if Iserman doesn't want to sign Panarin? What if he doesn't think the Rangers can turn it around next season? Which, again, that's fine. It's, I have no reason to doubt Steve Iserman. But I don't think you can bring in a president who will want to do things his way and tell that president, but before you do that, you have to let Jeff Gorton finish this project he started. You can't really do that. It is strange that they want to bring someone above him, but I guess all these organizations sort of have that. Maybe they don't feel confident that Gordon should be the president just yet. I mean, I don't know this much, and I I probably should. Like, does every single hockey franchise have a president under above their GM? I'm actually not sure. I I think I think so. Um, And if the president isn't above, like, I mean, the most common example we've been hearing over the last couple days is. Brendan Shanahan is the president in Toronto, and he, when he came in, he hired Lou Lamorello. And then when he, when Lamorello stepped down, he brought in Kyle Dubas. So uh, most every team has, if not a president, a senior figurehead. Sure. At the same, at the same time, 
usually I, it's hard to imagine the president doesn't get to pick his GM. So it's just it's just odd to me that one the Rangers would want to look outside the organization for someone with the experience that Steve Eisenman has, or even John Davidson to that point. Uh, and two, it would be even weirder if the president comes in and is just like, no, no, everything's fine here. I don't need to do anything. Like, I, it's one thing if it's a ceremonial hire. Like, if say the this is the only way I can see Mark Messier becoming the president. I was right? about to bring up like, Mark say Messier. The Rangers, say the Rangers just want a figurehead, a guy to, to look nice with the title. Then fine, yeah, give it to Mark Messier. If Mark Messier isn't going to be involved in the day-to-day operations, he's not going to be involved in the Rangers analytical department. He's not going to be involved in player movements. He's literally just there to be Mark Messier, New York Rangers president. That that's that's fine. You can do that. I just it I I have I've been struggling. I I want Steve Eisenman to be the Rangers president because just look at his track record, guys. You don't need me to fluff up Steve Eisenman for you. Um, I just do struggle trying to figure out why Eisenman would take the job and not just revamp the Rangers in his image. Hmm. The thing is with Eisenman, or Eisenman, Eisenman, I think in this case we've kind of heard when he stepped down from the Tampa Bay job that he was looking for something a little more hands-off. And this is going to sound crazy, but don't you think that would be a more hands-off position from the day-to-day where he, he can kind of make overarching decisions and, I, and push the push the was, franchise in the I way you like? I don't think it was hands-off that we were hearing. We heard he wanted to go home. Which is Detroit. And Detroit was home, so it made a lot of sense for him to take a year off and slide right into the president role in Detroit. At the same time, I don't think any of us thought the Rangers would be looking for a new president at this point in time. I don't think Steve Eisenman thought the Rangers would be looking for a president at this point in time. So I, I think that definitely changed things. Did I, um, did I miss the reason why Sather stepped down? Because I saw some rumors that he was connected to Florida also, the Panthers. Oh, no. Sather stepped down because he's – I mean, the quotes that I've seen, Sather stepped down because he's old and he wants to travel. That's what I heard too. I think he's – But then I saw, that, I saw some things that he could be joining the Panthers in a limited role, and I was kind of like, huh, what? No. Uh, I, one, I've never, I haven't seen any of that Two, Interesting. I got no reason to doubt either Brooks or Carp when they say he wants to just advise in the president's search, pick his successor and then ride off into the sunset. Okay. Dude's old. Yeah. There's no, there's no way around for a while. Dude. Yeah. He's, I mean, hell he, Gretzky's Oilers teams were say their production. So yeah, I, no, I I don't think, and I mean, you saw today the the Panthers hired Quenville. So, well, if say they wanted a role in Florida, it's a little too late. I want to talk about that in a second, but I, I just want to say I welcome our Eiserman Overlord, and I want I wish he'd be here tomorrow. That's really yeah. Bad. And honestly, if Eiserman fired Gorton, I'd be like, cool man, do whatever you want to do. Yeah, I wouldn't be upset. Is that weird? I wouldn't be like, oh no. I, I would be like, oh if yeah, you yeah whatever if you want to do. Man. Even fired David Quinn, would you be upset? I'd be like, fine, it's your fucking team. I don't care. I'd be a little upset you. only because I've really no, about Quinn. Yeah, I for the first time I found myself being like, okay, I kind of believe in this guy. I mean, I, as we as the season has gone on, we've kind of grown to like Quinn a little bit more. I'd say both of us were a little lukewarm and kind of seeing how it went. And I, I really like the way he's developed some of the players and how the teams responded to him and his communication with the team. So, but, I like his, I like his mentality. I it's hard to get around the whole Neil Pionk of the season, though. 
Okay. Neil, saying Neil Pionk triggers me. So I totally understand uh, you going that way. Let's talk about Quinville in Florida. Do you think, because this is a question, that, as a logical question the Ranger fans are going to ask, do you think Panarin now might have a shot to go to Florida instead of coming to New York? I don't think the odds have changed at all. I think they have changed a little bit. Only in the fact that he has come out and said he likes Quinville a lot. Obviously, he played for him in Quen- Chicago. Quenville. Quenville? Sorry. I, why am I calling it Quinville? I don't know. You got David Quinn on the mind. That's true. Hmm. Quenville. Uh, and I do think it switches the odds, but only a few percentage points. I, I just don't. Uh, here's the thing. Artemi Panarin can talk a big game or media can talk a big game about how Panarin wants to be in Florida or in a – I don't think you can say you want Panarin to be in a major market or on the coast, right? And right. Do you, do you know where Sunrise, Florida is? I cannot imagine – I don't know the difference in tax dollars between $11 million in Florida or $11 million in New York. At the same time, once you're making multi-millions of dollars, what the fuck is the difference between Well, once upon a time, you were, like, you were like, I'd rather live in Nashville than New York with money. And I was like, that's crazy. And okay, I, but Nashville's fun. Again, Florida do you know sucks. where the fuck Sunrise, Florida is? No, I have no idea. I can't, I, should I Sunrise, even Google it? No, it's like 20 minutes south of Fort Lauderdale and 45 minutes north of Miami. Hmm. There's fucking nothing in Sunrise. There aren't even retirement communities in Sunrise. When you're driving from Fort Lauderdale to Miami on I-95, right. you pass just a concrete slab that is where the Panthers play. And you ask yourself, what the fuck is a professional sports organization doing playing there? So, it's, so, just, it's, it's, so it's a lot like the Tampa Bay Rays is what you're saying. But at least Tampa, well, yes, actually. Yes. That's exactly what it is. Because, yeah. because Tampa's like, we're not really Tampa Bay. We're also not really St. Pete. We're just kind of fucking miserable. Yeah, we're and that's the middle of nowhere. Point. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it, where the Lightning play, it's great. Amelie is in such a beautiful location. It's in the heart of downtown. You can walk literally everywhere in Tampa from that arena. It's wonderful. Where the Florida Panthers play hockey games... Part of the reason why it's never full unless the Rangers or someone are in town is, one, not a whole lot of hockey fans in South Florida, and two, it's fucking sunrise. So you're going to have to do a lot of convincing to tell me the Florida Panthers are ever going to be a threat to sign Artemi Panarin. It just ain't happening in my mind. If if Panarin really wants to be known as a star in this league, if he wants to get headlines – I, if he wants to sign in Chicago, if he wants to sign in L.A., if he signs in a major market that isn't New York, I get it. But if he decides that Joel Quenville is the reason why it makes sense for him to play in fucking Sunrise, Florida, somewhere in Lost in Translation, it from Russian to English, is his mindset. Because he will just be a guy down in Florida that gets lost. Let's go back. It to- just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any fucking sense. So, no, Ryan, I have lost 0% on the has my opinion of Artemi Panarin signing with the Rangers changed because Quenville is the coach. In make a good point. I'm about, I'm about three, only because that's what I'm feeling, that I have no good reasoning. Uh, Brooks also reported today, and I think this is probably the most surprising thing, something we probably should have led with, I think. Uh, that's probably my bet on producing standpoint. But 
He said the Rangers are looking to do a fast rebuild by signing the aforementioned Artemi Panarin and also a man named Kevin Hayes. Uh, I'm very here's confused. With, look, well, here's the thing with Brooks that I think you and I still need to get a little bit better at. Um, we need to get a little bit better at reading what is informed speculation and what is just Brooks's general feeling. This feels. I feel do you like, think this is not informed speculation? <sighs> you don't just I, say the I Kevin Hayes is, thing well, after this, like a whole season of like we've talked about in this podcast, like how Kevin Hayes' agent was like ignored by the Rangers like multiple times, and then all of a sudden we're like he's someone we're considering just bringing back anyway. He's not coming back for I a discount. Like, no, I feel like this is the line though. Like saying the Rangers are thinking about re-signing Kevin Hayes is the line between informed speculation and Brooks's feeling. Because at some point in the very recent past, the New York Rangers did think about re-signing Kevin Hayes to a long-term extension. They at least had the thought. It was talked about. They understand what kind of contract it would take to get the deal done. And then there's Larry Brooks's own opinion, which is if the Rangers are accelerating this rebuild, which they have said on the record now on breakup day, Jeff Gorton's words were, we have identified some areas where we can speed this process up, and we're absolutely going to try and do that. Yeah, and he's also like, yeah, so, Chris Kreider's a great goal scorer. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, we got to talk about that too. But um, he, so we're, we're taking informed speculation that the Rangers definitely tried to reassign Kevin Hayes at one time. And then Brooks's opinion that if the Rangers want to ex- accelerate this rebuild, signing Panarin isn't enough. And their center depth, while they have a lot of young options. If the Rangers want to be good next year, you probably can't have three of your four centers named Keetle, Anderson, and Howden. So at some point, Brooks is saying to himself, all right, the Rangers have had interest in re-signing Kevin Hayes. They know what it'll take to get Kevin Hayes back. So there seems to be an opportunity here. To me, that feels That's like failed how- journalism, though. Like that is something you only report if you have actual information. And I know we live yeah, in the age of actual Leonard Brooks is the same guy that said the Rangers were not under any circumstance signing Kevin Shattenkirk. So at some point we need to draw the line. Yeah, that's a fair point. It's just He doesn't bat a thousand. No, he doesn't. But th- that feels like a, a point where I'm like I, I read that and I was like, that just can't be true. But part of me wanted to believe it mostly because it's coming from a reputable source who's really close to the team. And maybe that's not the case with, with Brooks, but if the Rangers are going to sign Kevin Hayes again, isn't that sort of just running the team back with Panarin? Like, it's the exact same team without Zook. You're replacing Zuccarello with Panarin. That's pretty much it. And that's, that's your 2020 or 1920 Rangers. Like, is that good enough? It's probably not. I still, don't, I still don't think it is. And I still think the only scenario where Kevin Hayes comes back to the Rangers is if they strike out on Panarin. Because see, I, I'm Brooks in a totally different camp there. Like, if they strike out a Panarin, I think they don't go for that, and they they don't speed up the rebuild. I think they see this rebuild as a longer process. If they don't get Panarin. Well, here's what Brooks mentioned in his piece today, but he kind of did it in like a hand wavy fashion. Mm-hmm. Panarin might be option one. Option two for the New York Rangers has to be defense, and it has to be identifying how the New York Rangers can acquire a premier NHL caliber defenseman right now, because it is, it's awfully nice to say stuff like we'd like to speed up this rebuild. You throw Artemi Panarin on the New York Rangers this year. They're 
they're an 80-point team, an 83-point team, they're still very far away from being a playoff team. Because scoring has never necessarily been the Rangers' biggest problem. No, it's we, always been. We played a lot of teams really close this year, like good playoff teams. I don't know if you guys saw, but we went to overtime like 26 times. So if we win all those games uh, by actually preventing a goal, rather, I know, I know that the other logic is scoring another with Panarin, but having a better defense there, we, we're probably a playoff team if we have like one or two better defensemen. I, I think that I don't think that's a hot take at all. No, and. I'm not saying the Rangers aren't high on Lieber Hayek. I'm not saying the Rangers aren't high on Keandre Miller. I'm not saying the Rangers aren't high on Niels Lundqvist, Igor Rykov, Ryan Lindgren, all these guys they've brought in. I'm not saying the Rangers are any more ecstatic about having this defensive depth. But if you're thinking any of these guys are slam dunks to be the next Dougie Hamilton, Eric Carlson, Jacob Truba, it just ain't happening. It's, it's, it might happen. But we're talking, it has to be like Keandre Miller has to advance to these 99th percentile outcome. Odds are Keandre Miller, as much as we love him, isn't going to develop into that kind of guy. So the only way to acquire that kind of guy is to actually identify those guys who are already there and bringing them in. So if the New York Rangers want to sign Panarin, that's great. But their second move cannot be Kevin Hayes. Their second move has to be, Cool. We have an elite, high-end scoring winger that we can put with anyone and make our offense better. Now, how do we address the defense? And to me, that answer is still quite logically Jacob Truba. And And there are multiple ways to do it. Is there any way that answer is ever Carlson for you? For me, no. I... I... Me personally, I wouldn't do it just because I... I feel like we're teetering on the edge with Carlson where it's kind of how I feel about most long-term contracts at a certain point. I feel like we've seen apex Carlson and maybe he hangs around that level for a year. Maybe he hangs around another two years, but I think by year three of whatever Eric Carlson's next contract looks like, you're starting to get a little queasy. And I just, I personally, there are younger defensemen, with high upside that are nearing free agency, be it Charlie McAvoy, Jacob Truba. These guys are out there. Adam Fox. <laughs> Adam, But Adam Fox even goes into the Keandre Miller camp, I know. I just, right? He's just nearing free agency. That was the joke. Right. But no, yeah. but here's, here's my – you want to know what my worst nightmare outcome is for this offseason? The Rangers sign Panarin. The Rangers re- bring back Hayes. And the only defensive move they make is Adam Fox. That's a, that is a nightmare because that, that's my point. We just traded Panarin, uh, Zuccarello for Panarin, and yeah, you do that trade every day. But is that team a playoff team? No. Like Hank is a year older. No, and again, the accelerating the rebuild is to me almost talking exclusively about this team's defense. Like, yes, the Rangers' forward core has to get better. I don't think the New York Rangers can go to the playoffs with a second or third line of. Vladimir Nemeskov, Ryan Strom, and Jesper Fast. Dude. As as fun as that line is, if that line is getting significant minutes on a night to night basis, no, you are not seriously a playoff team. Do you remember you that might time that the peripherals? We were doing a podcast, and then Mika showed up. I'm here, guys. Oh, hey, what's up, man? Uh, so we <laughs> hold on, just 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 shut up for a second. Thanks, cool. Tra- uh, Mika's our guest here. Transition. 
Before we get back to Hockey Stat Miner, a.k.a. Mika, one of my favorite guests, do you want a chance to meet one of your favorite New York hockey players, Brady Shea? Come celebrate Daniel Wellington's new store opening in Queen Center Mall this Saturday at 11 a.m. You'll get a chance to meet him in the flesh, Brady Shea, in front of you. He'll only be there for a short period of time, so make sure you get there early. While you're there, check out Daniel Wellington's opening offers. You can get a free interchangeable strap with the purchase of a watch. They'll have an opportunity to win a free watch with an autographed box by Brady Shea and a full day of exciting events. If you'd like, you can click the link in the show notes to learn more about the event. If you want to check out Daniel Wellington's collection, you can head over to DanielWellington.com. Get on the watch. Meet Brady Shea. Go Rangers. Back to Mika. Hockey stat miner. Cool. Hey, Mika. What's up, man? Oh, man. Is this like live and yep. interrupting and everything? Yeah, it is. But welcome. Why Why do cuts when we could do it live? Are you cool with that? <laughs> yeah, I'm totally cool. How you guys, how you guys going? Doing well. We're in the middle of a rant. We're talking about the New York Rangers. Probably heard of them. Uh, and uh, for right now, Greg, uh, we're going through the scenario where pretty much this offseason we could trade or uh, the situation would have ended it being we would have traded Zuccarello for Panarin and then you run that team back. That pretty much would have been the whole situation for the Rangers next year. And that's kind of our nightmare situation. I don't know how, where you Wait. feel on that. Wait, you're talking about, what was it about Zook and Panarin? So pretty much, so, like, if the offseason happened, like, we're going to sign Panarin, uh-huh. right? And then if we make no other moves other than maybe signing Adam Fox or trading for Adam Fox, rather, we would have just uh-huh. taken the exact same team and run it back, right. but minus Zuccarello plus Panarin. And that is not a playoff team. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's, that's like, the funny part is, like, they have, like, exactly enough money to, like, not do anything else out of the ordinary, but, like, oh, yeah, sign this guy to $10 million a year. Um, so, yeah, and also, like, you know, obviously Hayes can't come back if that happens, too. Not that that's going to happen, but. Well, that's, that's, how we, that's how we got here because Larry Brooks's art um, column today was talking about how the Rangers accelerating the rebuild is Panarin and also Kevin Hayes. So then we started thinking to ourselves – why are we talking about Kevin Hayes when we need to be talking about something defensive? Anything yeah. defensive. And before we do that, I just want to welcome Hockey Statmeyer to the podcast. He is a blogger slash great Twitter follow. If you don't follow him on Twitter, please follow him at Hockey Statminer. Mostly tweets about the Rangers. And if you want to know all about the future about the Rangers, Mika's your guy. Okay, now that we did the introduction, just want to get that <laughs> out of the way. Um, where were we? Kevin Hayes. Got it. Yeah, there's no is is there a chance you could sign both Panarin and Kevin Hayes without trading someone like Chris Kreider, Mika? Um if you if you sign Panarin, you're kind of like you're gonna be at like eighty million ish, like all else equal, you know? So mm-hmm. you're gonna be right there. Um if you want to do stuff like you could trade the last year of Mestikov, you could trade the last year of Kreider, you could trade the last year of Easy, you could buy out Smith, you could buy out Stahl. So there's like ways to kind of get more money, even if you sign Farron and maybe do something else. But what what's Hayes going to go for this summer? Like six a year? You know, six like and a half. I'd be surprised if it's yeah. less than. Yeah, I'd be surprised right. too. Uh, like, so it, it, it's tough to to imagine. I can see this team signing Farron, but like, how much more elaborate can they possibly get with it? You know. But then that, that, brings, I, that brings the whole point all back around. And I know this is a weird, like, coming in the middle of a podcast, now we're doing an interview kind of situation. But that just means we're running the exact same, same team back. And that's just not good enough to make the playoffs. And that's not, like, accelerating the, the tank process. Like, 
to me, that's kind of a failure, even though you're bringing in like a superstar player. I don't see how that makes this team go over the hump and be able to compete with teams like the Lightning or even teams yeah. in the Metro. Like, how would we even compete with the Penguins? I, I don't know if Kessel's going to be there or anything, but the Capitals are still going to be a force to rec- be reckoned with. Hell, the fucking Islanders might be around still. Who knows? They're probably missing playoffs next year, though. So <laughs> But um, yeah, like I think I think like a big like philosophical difference is like I'm I'm not just trying to make the playoffs. Like I, there's something to be said where okay, if you spend ten million dollars the right way and add forty goals, you know you can become a playoff team. But I'm looking for like this should be about setting up the 2020s as you know a multi-year stage of contention. So if if you kind of like jumpstart it, you know, artificially or whatever, and you become a playoff team immediately, um, you know, I, th- I the real litmus test should be, you know, okay, what's this team going to look like in 2022, in 2023, in 2024? Um, so that that's because you know, just as a, you know, we're the same age, like as Rangers fans, mm-hmm. um, how many times in the last you know 15 years has the team made the playoffs but they've been one and done? You know, I mean, there's very few times where the team was actually a contender and when and we actually expected them to get past the second round, you know, that, that 2012, 2014, 2015, like all those like other ones, like, you know, 2007, 2009, 2011, 2016, like I, I don't I don't need to go from this to a bubble wild card first round exit team. Um, it's, it's at the expense of, you know, OK, maybe we burn a year off, do a third year of rebuilding. And then we're that much better off for, you know, a long sustained uh, era of contention. So that's a lot of, that's a lot of, that's like a huge difference I have with a lot of people where it's like, you know, okay, of course you've got to throw money at the market and, you know, this team is only, you know, so many goals or so many, uh, you know, expected goals away from the playoff spot. That's too short-sighted for me. I mean, if we're going to do this, you know, let's do it right. That's kind of where I go from. It it sounds like you're in the same camp that Ryan and I are in there unless by some must be wrong, act then. of God, <laughs> Eric Carlson wants to take a two year deal. And I just, there is no scenario where I'd want to sign Carlson to a seven year contract. Right. There's yeah. No that, way. And, um, yeah. You, I, like I was thinking about it today and it's like, like for all the talk about Panarin and Carlson this year, like think about like, you know, okay. Peeling the card off the deck and having a third year where we rebuild. And then what about having this conversation with uh, about, you know, Taylor Hall or Jacob Truba this time next year? Uh, I don't think you're missing out on kind of waiting to, to, to play that card, if you will. Um, and the other thing is it's kind of like anytime you're going to throw like a seven million, I mean, a seven year deal, big time free agent, any, any agent curve will tell you that the best, the best year of, of, you know, bang for buck of value you're going to get is year one. And then the second best is year two and the third best is year three and so on. So why I'm kind of skittish about doing that now. And then if you don't get that, if, if, if you don't get that value, like if you're not contending in year one, that's a huge, <laughs> that's a huge part of it. Um, so at least like if you wait a year and then maybe, you know, go after, you know, Taylor Hall or Jacob Trub on the market, you know, this time next year, um, at, at least maybe it's like, okay, it, it, it's like setting a clock off, you know, the clock is ticking. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of like starting that clock ticking prematurely. I, it just, it just makes so much more sense to me to be patient 
And, you know, we've, we've, we've done two years of this. So, you know, what's a third, right? Um, it's like uh, uh, Mike Ehrman Trout and Breaking Bad. It's like no half measures, right? So let's just, let's just do the right thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm very open to, like, big moves and everything. But if you're going to rush it, like, why would you, you know, why would you handcuff yourself to a huge deal like that? Um, if it's not like organically coming, you know what I mean? I will, I will say though, I feel the exact same way about Taylor Hall that I do Eric Carlson. I want to go near him with a 10 foot pole. Really? Yeah. I, the, something, something doesn't sit right. I, I, I wish I could tell you what it is. Maybe it's just this one season, him being snake bitten by injuries has kind of clouded my judgment, but there's, I'd feel much better spending money on Panera in this off season I'm I'm very fine signing Panarin. I've always been pro Panarin. It I've I've been saying it since day one. We made stickers basically saying it this year. <laughs> I just if you're gonna do Panarin, that's great. But understand that the very next thing you have to do is bring in a high end defender, and right. that's that's more than Adam Fox. We can all be very excited about Adam Fox. He's a very exciting prospect. I, it's either him or uh, Makar that's going to win the Hobie Baker this year. That's great, but let's not pretend that Adam Fox is going to fix everything. He might be part of a long-term solution. This team, McAvoy's a restricted free agent. Truba's a restricted free agent who the Winnipeg Jets simply will not have money to extend long-term. If you can get something done with the Jets with Truba, for me, it's kind of how people have been debating, do you – do you bite the bullet and trade for Adam Fox right now, or do you wait until next year when it seems like it's a sure thing? I wouldn't want to wait a year for Jacob Truba. I would just want to pay the price, bring him in, and then figure out your contract with him from there. That, that's where I've been staying. And as much as it hurts to say, to the Winnipeg Jets, Chris Kreider's one-year contract would be super valuable. Because yeah. it's below yeah. market value. They won't have to worry about paying him long-term. And they could get a full season for him. I don't want to trade Kreider, and I, but I've said this before. I've written about it. If I'm trading Chris Kreider, I'm probably trading him for a young defenseman who I can negotiate a long-term contract with. Right, right. That checks out, Greg. Uh, I just don't know like, if that's going to end up being the case. I, I don't know if the Jets will want to trade Truba if, if, they, if they want to try and get something for him. I mean, maybe Chris Kreider makes sense, but why wouldn't they just hold on to Truba for the whole year instead? Well, they, they got to pay guys this year too, and Truba's due for a raise. And they're, they love Blake Wheeler up there, and God bless them for giving them that contract. But between Wheeler and Kulikov and Shifley, they got a Morrissey extension to worry about. Tyler Myers is a free agent. The Winnipeg Jets, for lack of a better term, are kind of fucked when it comes to the salary cap. So they can't pay everybody, and they're quickly learning that. They did a great job of not just cultivating their own young talent, but finding ways to lock them up long term. There is no way for the Jets to extend Patrick Laine, expend, extend Kyle Connor, and extend Jacob Truba this year. And of those three options, as crazy as it sounds – I think Jacob Truba is probably the expendable one. I just hope but also to if they one want to day, trade Patrick Line. Look, if they want to trade Patrick Line, I'll line up and take him too. I hope to one day have the issue of man, we have too much talent. That's something I would die for. <laughs> we just don't have that problem. 
where the Jets are sitting there like, wow, we have too many great, amazing players. What do we do? I guess we'll trade one of our amazing players for another one. Like, that's where they're going to be living. I want to live there. Hockey Stabbutter, how do I get there? <laughs> how do you get to, like, a really, really, really good team? Yeah, what do I do? <laughs> Hire Stevie um, Y. Okay. You, first, you go to the fridge. Mm-hmm. Find, find a tall boy. Yep. You open it. Uh-huh. Keep trading. Um, okay. Um, like, uh, one, I think, like, Tampa Bay is, has done, obviously, really phenomenal this, this season. But I think, like, from an economic standpoint, um, they've gotten such bang for buck for their draft picks. Um, you know, you look at, you know, look at Gord, look at uh, uh, Sorelli, look at Point, um, you know, second round guys, third round guys on their entry level contracts right now. About um, Palat, seventh round. Um, Johnson was undrafted. So they just, it's getting a lot from nothing. And then on top of that, when you're paying them nothing, you're getting a lot at the NHL level. And that's kind of, you know, yeah, okay, they have Headman, they have Stamkos, um, you know, they have money. But they they really, you can't get much more bang for buck, like, out of your draft picks than Tampa Bay. It's, it, they really are the standard. So, you know, when you talk about the Rangers having all these draft picks all these years, <laughs> you're going to need, need these guys to hit. You're going to need some some nice hits and not just in the first round, but in, you know, the later rounds, so, um, that's a good, that, that's like the number one start. I'd say. So what you're, you're saying to me is Mika on, on April, uh, on April 8th, 2019 at 7.06 PM, you say we shouldn't be drafting goalies in the second round. <laughs> uh, actually the funny part is like, wasn't that, wasn't Vasilevsky taken early? So, I mean, I guess you can. <laughs> I've just, you know, um, I've just thrown it out there. Cause like, you're saying no, these, these guys have to hit, and like we goaltending has never <laughs> been the Rangers' issue. Like you, you're watching the backups come into the Rangers and become all stars, like Antiranta and Talbot, and when when they're here, they're they're incredible. Georgiev also, he's been very good this year, and yeah. and we that's as long as Ben Warrior is like somehow injecting magic into these goalies, that won't be a problem. But these draft picks need to hit, and players like Keandre Miller are going to have to make waves when they get to the NHL and they're still two years away so I'm very curious as to what you think the Rangers might do in this year's draft because we've heard that draft picks might be up for trade might be out there like uh obviously we don't know because as I just said the date we don't know the pick we're going to have but do you do you expect us to be trading picks wheeling and dealing or picking at the at the trade deadline or not the trade deadline sorry at the draft day but before before you answer that let me just ask a hypothetical here because I'm getting awfully tired of hearing the Rangers shouldn't have taken a goalie in the second round. Let's <laughs> let's play a game for a second. I'm ready to play gentlemen. Games. Yep. Say the Rangers took Joey Keane with that second round pick and they took the goalie in the third round. Are we still butthurt about this? Uh, uh if uh, you if you make that took taking Joey Keane in the second round and you took the goalie in the fourth, I'm no longer butthurt. So shouldn't we evaluate it from the the collective sum and not the individual parts. <laughs> Rangers had a great draft. It was a yeah. good draft. Yeah, it was good. It was solid. So can we stop? Bit- can we stop bitching about the second round pick? I still think it's, it's dumb. like the Rangers. The <laughs> Ra- it, it seems like the Rangers. It doesn't change the, the fact Rangers that it's might dumb. Get, it, it, But just shut up about it. Like fuck off. No. It seems like the Rangers <laughs> hit three home runs in the first round, and every Ranger fan just wants to be like, "Yeah, but we took a fucking goalie in the second round." 
Like, grow up, guys. Do we know if Neil's luck, if, if Lundqvist is a home run? Do we know that yet? I, I feel very confident that Niels Lundqvist is at minimum an NHL caliber defenseman. And I guess that theoretically which, is a home run. At, yeah, at that point in the draft, you're, you're, if you get an NHL caliber defenseman, you're doing pretty well. I just, I'm tired of it. Like, like we got to get over this goalie thing. We're so, everybody's so horny for Joey Keane. Just pretend that Joey Keane went in the second round. Are, are you feeling better if you pretend that way? Sure. Just you know what that, reminds, that reminds me? That reminds me of, um, like, we'd all be better off if we just pretended that Heedle was taken number seven and Anderson was taken later. In the it first. would! Like, we, we, we'd just be all much, we'd just be better. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone's bitching that if the Rangers just flip flop those first round picks in uh, twenty seventeen, I half the criticism would go away for Elias Anderson. Probably more than half, by the way. The second, uh, poor Elias Anderson. Uh, but I back to the quick question to you, Mika: Is how would you, how do you interpret how the Rangers are going to handle this draft coming up? <clears throat> um, you know, I really don't know. It, the draft floor certainly like an opportunity for teams to do things. Um, Last summer, Gordon, I guess, like the word was, he was like trying to move move assets, whether it was you know Spooner and Mestikov, and just like the market wasn't there. So it's kind of one. Of, I think it's like the age old answer of, well, you know, the trade market's going to kind of determine what happens. So who knows what it's going to be? That is age um, But yeah, the, yeah. But uh, the team the team has a lot of uh, you know flexibility. They've got a bunch of guys that you know, for all intents and purposes, um, are like one year guys who you could rent out. Um, and they, you know, they've got what ten picks, so they can they can move up, they can move down. Um, I don't like have a specific idea. Um, I think I think the idea that Truba gets traded at the draft, like that would make a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Um, so if there was like maybe like a Kreider Truba trade, um, <laughs> and Greg's prophecy finally came came to fruition. Um, but, I've been speaking uh, it into existence for about three years now. You're literally no, no, the person I, that made it happen. Yeah. Like it's it's all yeah, you. No. I guess the assist if it happens for sure. For sure. Um, but you know, I I really don't know, like, what's the difference? You know, it, it's an opportunity to trade, but I, I don't know what they're gonna do. Like, I don't know what their first. <laughs> we have, for people listening, we don't know what the lottery is yet. It's, that's like gonna happen in twenty four hours. Um, well, let's but, let's know, do we'll that then. Let's let's talk about that. We're twenty four hours right. away as we're recording now from the lottery happening. How convinced are you that we're picking eighth? <laughs> eighth? Yeah, eighth. Are you, are you gonna are you gonna ask me ninth? Aren't you gonna ask me ninth? No, because ninth is insane, right? Like if if nine happens, like how bad is life really? Because because <laughs> I I can't accept ninth, but eighth feels like a given. Hmm, interesting. Um, yeah, I'm 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 feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like you know what? It, it, this this is this is a year of Kako. And I'm feeling good. Like, what is it? Like, twelve to one, thirteen to one. Like, I'm feeling good. Let's yeah, pull the trigger. I think we have fifteen point two percent chance to get into the top two. So I guess overall, yeah. not that bad. It's if you look at it this way, it's more than the Knicks have to get Zion. That's pretty good. <laughs> Sorry, um, I think someone said. I think someone said like we're in the same spot that Winnipeg was when they got Lane at number two. So it's like, hmm, all right. Finish forward, number two. You don't deserve it, but you were up. All right. Correct. You, you, either of you can correct me if I'm wrong. I know Ryan doesn't know the answer to this, so he can't correct me at no. all. But Mika, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think the Devils had these odds when they got the number one pick. 
He sure. Oh, How the fuck would he know that? Not, not <laughs> a, yeah, I, he knows everything. <laughs> I'm I'm too lazy to look it up. I'll take work. Yeah, let's oh, just yeah, assume they were because it's good. It's good juju, and we can get the number one pick. Uh, Mika, I want to get into something that I feel like is your most exciting part of this offseason. How many assets do the Rangers have to attach to, say, a Vlad Nemestikov to send him to Ottawa because they have to reach the salary cap floor? Can you repeat that? You cut out. You son of a bitch. Uh, How many fake trade scenarios are you going to attach assets to sending them to uh, Ottawa so Ottawa can reach the cap floor while the Rangers cut cap space? Um, yeah, Otto's always kind of that fun little, hey, you know, anything goes. They got, they got Gabrick, they got MacArthur, they got everyone. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to get crazy with it. Uh, probably, I'd say like mid-May, I'm really going to start cooking things up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, it, it's fun because like, if you know, if the salary cap goes up to like, I don't know, like 83 or whatever it is, like teams are going to need to hit, you know, 60 million, 61 million uh, of cap hit. Teams like Ottawa and Arizona and Florida, and it's like they basically just have to figure out how can we cheat code our way up to that. Like that's always what it comes down to. That's always why you have these god awful weird trades. Um, you you you, 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 you trade retired guys that like are still have a contract going on. So it's still it's definitely a lot of fun. Um, but you know, I, I think as far as the Rangers are concerned, I'm kind of kind of cooling off my uh, quote-unquote division this summer because I think if they were going to do it, they were going to do it last summer. I, I'd be amazed if anything like that happened this summer. Something I saw – still... Oh, go on, Greg. I was just going to say this, the Senators should just be the team that goes out and offers like Benoit Pouliot $8 million over one year just so they can reach the floor. Like they, yeah, should, just, right. they should just determine whoever the nicest Canadian is and offer him millions of dollars and be like, look – we know this isn't going to be a great year for us. Have your fun. Let us reach the floor, and then uh, we'll see you next year. It's like it's really like fascinating in a way because it's like, okay, like how are you going to do it? And like every year, like these teams do it, and it's like, you know, like 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 acquiring Gabrick, and it's like you know they knew they were going to put him on long term injured reserve and like insure his ass. Like they just had to know it, um, you know. So there's always these, these just garbage deals. Um, but it's like to me, that's like a lot of the fun. Where it's like, okay, like, how is Ottawa going to have a sixty million dollar payroll next year? You know what I mean? And like, look at it, like everyone that's leaving. You know what I mean? Like, uh, good luck with that. Yeah, fully off eight million. That sounds about right. I saw on Twitter, uh, someone asked our our good friend Greg, who is also on the podcast. You might know him. Uh, who we'd rather have next year, Vladimir Mestikov or Ryan Strom? Where do you stand on that? I, I'm a Strom guy, and Greg was definitely a Nemestikov person, so I, I need a tiebreaker. Well, there's, there's also there's the part about Strom that isn't just his performance that I feel like will be considered this offseason. It's if the Rangers buy out Strom because he's under a certain birth date, I think the Rangers actually save a full $3 million this year. They don't have to pay him. I think it's less than $500,000 they'd be on the hook for. Yeah. So there's – there's a financial portion of Strom that goes beyond the performance. And I honestly think, if anything, the performance, him playing as well as he did, has complicated what the Rangers were going to do with him this offseason. 
I forgot who originally, I think it was Brooks who originally mentioned it, that it's something like since he's an under 25 going into this season, if the Rangers buy him out, they're only on the hook for something in the neighborhood yeah. of $450,000. Yeah, so if, if you're, if you're under 27, it's a third of the remaining money. And then if you're over, if you're 27 and over, it's two thirds. Got it. Yeah. Well, all right. Question still stands without the money. You can only, uh, well, you can only so keep like, one. We're talking about like on ice value or uh, on ice value moving forward. Mm. <sighs> yeah, I'm I'm like kind of hoping they'll trade Strom, like just like trade him while he's hot. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, sell high. He, like he was sh- he was shooting like like I, I don't know what he finished the season with like 18 percent. Like he was sh- he was basically scoring like one out of every five shots, which is like super hot. So I'm I, I like I can almost see him like the next Spooner, where it's like. <laughs> Like that, like his value is like not going to be this high next season. So like, get him. but if we're talking on ice, um, I guess Nemestikov really, even though he's like getting paid four a year, um, I, I guess I go Nemestikov. Okay. Hmm. Um, I think I'm out like of, a dick, Ryan. Yeah, that's good. I that's my favorite activity. Uh, I am <laughs> sort of out of questions for hockey stat miner. I was wondering if you want to stick around to do. A segment we were going to do before you uh, you popped on, which is called Five Star Questions of the Week, and I would like you to partake in them. Is that okay with you? Uh, am I getting paid? Uh, unfortunately not. <laughs> I'll do it anyways. Okay, cool. Uh, we have two questions this week, and this first one comes from Mimimo34. It's the Extra Effort Award. She says, five stars. Hey, guys, Emily here. What's up, Emily? Long-time listener, first-time reviewer. This is definitely the best Raider podcast out there, and Ryan isn't making this up. That's weird. And I love your NH, uh, NWHL content, too. Obviously, we already know who wins the award by the time this podcast comes out. But who would you pick for the Extra Effort Award this year and why? Let's go Rangers. Either. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you guys felt, but anybody but Mika winning the Steve yeah. McDonald or Team MVP just felt wrong. It would have been wrong. I agree. I, I think it was all Mika, no matter what happens. Is there anyone that was even like a close second? Well, this actually, the, the question triggered something for me that I do want to ask both of you because I don't think we can go through this entire podcast without talking about it. Yes. Why in the world was Jesper Foss playing with a broken and torn up thumb? I uh, know. And even, even worse than that, why are people defending Jesper Foss for playing with a broken and torn up thumb? Uh, so, Who benefits? So I also saw your rant about Derek Stepan doing this, the exact same thing. I think it's... Well, this, the, the Stepan thing is even worse, right? Because the Coyotes literally missed the playoffs by four points. And it's a torn ACL. And Derek Stepan only, yeah, and Stepan only had 35 points this year. He clearly wasn't normal Derek Stepan. Why are you skating a guy literally without a leg when you're trying to make the playoffs? You're, you're hurting your own team, and you're asking a guy to – it's a difference between playing hurt and injured. What Derek Stepan was doing was playing injured. He had to wear a knee brace – he has a torn ligament in his knee. His performance was not Derek Stepan level caliber. And then you look at Jesper Foss. Jesper Foss is hurt enough where he can't practice. The New York Rangers are actively not trying to win the Stanley Cup this year. They're trying to get young guys more ice time up and down their lineup. Why in the world are you asking Jesper Foss to play with a fucked up thumb? I don't get it. I don't understand the whole situation. Like, especially when Chris Kreider was playing injured and we had a bunch of different players and, and everyone just kind of goes, yeah, but man, they're hockey players. This is what they do. You can't stop them. They're gladiators. And I, it's like, uh, no, this is like 
at, at the end of the day, and this is going to sound like I'm not human by saying this, like they're sort of like also assets to your team and your organization. And to mess up their future and maybe their financial future to play through an injury that could be sort of more permanent. Like something could happen to Jesper Fass's thumb that could make it like, I don't know, probably never work functionally again. And that probably wouldn't be good for his career. So for him to play in a meaningless, meaningless season just makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, I think like someone had a stat. I think it was um, NHL Injury Viz, which is a great follow on Twitter. They were saying that like the Rangers have the least amount of man games lost due to injury in the last you know like decade or whatever, whatever the stat was. And it's just, <clears throat> and you can also think like you know think about Shattenkirk last season, right, with his knee. Yep. And there, I, to me, it's like the players want to play, and I get that. So like the players want to play. That's their job. Like it should be the medical staff and the coach who like says like, no, you can't play your hurt, you know? And, and like, they have to be the, the, <laughs> the, the voice of reason as far as, you know, cause I get it. Players want to play. No one wants to, you know, especially if it's like, you know, something with, with like a limb or something where you can kind of work around it, even if it's not the best thing. Um, but like, absolutely. Like, come on. Like, there's no reason to do it. Like just shut it down. It, it, it's only going to hurt. Like, like, you know, like how much of Chatt- Chattenkirk, this year was related to, you know, him playing with, uh, you know, a, a messed up knee last season. Maybe a good uh, amount. Maybe. Seriously, maybe a good amount. Uh, and that but, re- but the, just the, the other to wait, me is... Hold on quickly, Greg. Why? I just want to make sure that I, that I get this clear. If this is the playoffs, I totally condone playing through injuries. I get it. Right. It's, it's a total... It, it, this is like, like once-in-a-lifetime chance. You're not going to get these many shots. You're playing for your team. You don't want to let your teammates down. This is that. You're letting nobody down if you're not playing in the end of the season. Like no, yes, right. like no one's being upset if you're not playing. Like if if it's game seven against the Lightning, like yeah, we're upset, but it's not. Sorry, Greg. Yeah, it, it well, just it's two parts to this, right? One is we talked about this either last week or the week before with Chris Kreider, where you take a guy who's clearly his game is being impacted by whatever injury he's suffering from, you take him out of the lineup. And bam, all of a sudden, an opportunity opens up for Brendan Lemieux, who possibly doesn't get that opportunity without an injury. But it allows you to put Lemieux in a situation that can see just how far his abilities might be able to go. You're able to possibly answer another question with those guys. And this is a whole season where you're trying to answer as many questions as possible. So does it suck to take Chris Kreider out of the lineup? Yes. Does it Does it hurt? Chris Kreider's potential trade value or ability to sign a long-term contract. That's the one that always, to me, feels like it's a catch-22. Because if you're allowing an injured Chris Kreider to play and his numbers tank, doesn't that do more harm to his next contract than Chris Kreider missed five, six, seven games with an injury? But the second point is, why do we only do this in hockey? Imagine the New York Yankees going to Luis Severino, who's getting another MRI on his shoulder, and be like, hey, man, look, just go out there and let's see what happens. Yeah, no, just, fuck that. <laughs> let, 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 let's run you out for three starts. And if it's still bothering you, we'll, we'll think about it then. We would never in a million years be okay with the Yankees doing that. So right. why is it okay that the, the New York Rangers allowed Jesper Foss to play with one hand? I do not know. but I Why do... is this just a hockey thing? I, it is – Unbelievable that it just—it's the only sport where it really happens, right? I guess in the UFC, even in the UFC, they kind of they call fights if someone's injured. Well, like, and 
in football, guys come back from injuries at a ridiculous pace, right? Like Ray, or, or who was it? It was either Ray Lewis or Terrell Suggs who tore his bicep. It was, was Ray Lewis and weeks. yes, deer antler spray is how he did it. In case you're wondering, yeah, the, the <laughs> NFL might have some loose uh, performance enhancing policies that we can get into in another day. Uh, but if if Steph Curry tweaks his ankle, like if someone looks at Steph Curry's ankle incorrectly, he sits for two games, and everyone's like, "No, that makes perfect sense. Totally fine." Ka- Kawhi Leonard took off like half the season. He wasn't injured. He just wanted to not play basketball. So I just I don't for the life of me I don't get it it's not just it's one thing for the players to say it like Mika said right I 100% respect and admire Jesper Foss for going to management with a broken thumb and being like guys I want to I just want to keep playing I can play through it don't worry about me At the same time there's just no there's no point to it There's no point to it The New York Rangers at no point this season were ever truly threatening for a playoff spot and they were a team looking to give guys more opportunities. And we know what Jesper Faust is. Jesper Faust's spot on this team is never in question. He's, he is the Swiss Army knife of the New York Rangers. Wherever they need to plug him, they feel very confident plugging him in there. So why are we making him play hurt? It, it, I don't understand it. I will never understand it. It will bother me to the end of time. I'm good on that. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's an- I think it's an indictment on like, you know, the the medical staff, the coaching staff, the training staff, whatever, because, you know, you, that, that's their job to say, okay, I know you want to play it, but not this time. To answer Emily's question, Mika Zabinajad would have been my answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one more five-star question. And if you want to get your five-star question, all you have to do to go is the iTunes app or store, whichever, type in New York Rangers. The first result will be Blue Shirts Breakaway because we have great SEO. And then you can find us and get, leave a five-star review and ask a question. We will answer it on the show. Next question is from Tyler, and then it's like 26 eights after his name. He's at the 2019-2020 Rangers. Five-star question. What do you think the Rangers roster will look like next year? Want to give this one to Mika right off the bat? This, yeah, is, this is like I wanna, your... I want to hear. Mika, this is your wheelhouse. I mean, not really. I, I know about as much as the same as you guys. Shit. <laughs> I'm, a big, I'm a big fraud. Um, no, but... Uh, <laughs> us too. I guess like Panarin, I guess that's like the the uh, the Vegas odds are on Panarin coming, and then I don't know. I could see something like you know Kreider Kreider traded for Truba. Um, Speak it into existence. I love it, Tyler. I think yeah, we should that, ask this question again in two months. Come back, leave another five star review, and we'll do a whole another version of this. Well, I'll I'll just I'll I'll add it in because uh, I I I think the scary thing is even if the Rangers add Panarin. And even if the Rangers add Truba, I think the rest of the roster is just going to be the same. Same. I don't see like I don't see wholesale change. Where would you make wholesale changes? I think if you're, the question. if you're cutting the Mestikov and Strom, but I can't imagine you're replacing them with people that are better. Like, are, are you? So say say the Rangers move Strom. Sure. The, he's probably replaced by Kravtsov okay. in some way, shape, or form. Uh, say you remove the Mestikov. I mean. In real reality, that spot on the team is probably occupied by Lemieux, and you keep Anderson up in some role as well. Um, that is not good. You you would <laughs> like to see wholesale changes on defense, but quite honestly, where are you making the wholesale changes on defense? I still don't think Shattenkirk's going anywhere, nor do I think he should. Uh, Brady Shea's here for the long haul. Yep. Unless you're buying out Mark Stahl, he's here for the long haul. 
unless you're buying out Brendan Smith, honestly, he's probably here for the long haul. You're re-signing Tony D'Angelo. You're probably re-signing Neil Pionk. Stop it. Even if you bring in Adam Fox, there's no guarantee Adam Fox breaks camp with the New York Rangers next year. New York Rangers, even with Truba, even with Panarin, even with Kravtsov, everything else is going to be the same. It really is. That's like the that's the big thing about this year is like it's not like one of those summers where it's like okay, if we can just make it to the summer, like all this paper is going to come off for. No, like it's 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 actually kind of amazing how like everyone is on pace to come back except for maybe like a few guys. You know what I mean? It's it's very much like hey, we might just run this back with Panarin. Is that cool? And I'm, yeah, I'll, that's I'll, really. I'll answer this right now. <laughs> I'm really not cool with that. I know signing Panarin is like a no brainer for most people. This just feels like a for me. It doesn't feel like a step in the hey, can we have a mini dynasty run in the middle of the 2020s? Like that's what I want. Like I want to try and get yeah. one cup. In in my 30s or my 40s or my 50s or before I die. And and we didn't bring up the fact that like the 2020 draft is going to be loaded. I don't know if you guys talked about it earlier. Drew has talked to like, us about it where he's like, it's absolutely bonkers loaded. Yeah, everyone, all these prospect guys are saying it. So it's like if you're going to add, like if you're going to go, if you're going to get, if you're going to, if the Rangers are going to be like you know 10 or 15 standing points better, um, you know Panarin plus everything we've, we've we already have and maybe like you know Kreider for Truva, whatever the deal is, it's like. Is that year one? Like, is that is that year one of the contention window? Because if it's not, then like you might be foregoing, you know, a twenty twenty pick, like 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 we've been accustomed to the last few years. So that's like another reason why I, I really kind of uh, you know yield towards. It's like you know, I, I think just peeling a card off the deck and ha- having one more year without a huge bust them up move is kind of where I want to go. But I don't. I, I suspect the Rangers are gonna are gonna. Go after their shiny toy. I believe Panarin will be a Ranger more and more every single day, even though I don't I'm I'm still on the fence if I want it or not. But I, I have to I think I have to come to terms. It's hard I, to I, I, I will have a question for you guys. Oh boy. Okay. Well, well hold on. Before you before you ask it, before yeah. you ask it, I know we've actually said some really nice things about James Dolan before on this podcast. I will say don't do it. Don't do Knowing this. James Dolan, don't do this. I don't think he would want the Knicks to go all in without the Rangers also doing so. Oh, okay. That's fine. Right. So uh, all I'm saying is if the Knicks are going to sign Durant and Kyrie and whoever, I don't mm. think Dolan will be like, well, there's one. Uh, the Rangers can do whatever the fuck they want. I think he's going to be like, no, no, you, you got to make a splash too. That's a working theory like, of mine. It was like last month where it's like Dolan was talking about the Rangers cap space and he said something like 12 million or something like, like just the fact that like, he, it, that's not even like the real amount. He's like making assumptions for things. So it's like just the fact that he like knows that number and he's like licking his chops. Like, I, I mean, you know, Nick fans will tell you like the writing's on the wall. If Jim Dolan knows your cap, like how much cap you have exactly. Ah, uh, Okay. What was your question for us, Mika, before we get out of here? Okay. Uh, my question was, if you know for a fact, that you that that every team, including the Rangers, are going to get one amnesty buyout at the beginning of the next CBA. Oh shit! <clears throat> does that does that change how you maybe want to tackle this summer or next summer? This is a great question. Because I think I think about this a lot, to be honest with you, especially with Carlson. So the answer, the, this only re- really goes with Carlson, right? Can you, I can't think of another player that would really change. Like if I had an amnesty buyout, I think I'd sign Carlson over Panarin. Mm, right. That's kind of where I'm at. 
I, I wouldn't. And here, here's why. Are you, so is the insinuation from both of you that if the Rangers were to add Eric Carlson instead of Artemi Panarin, they'd be a better team next year? Yes. Um, for me, yes. I think for me, it's just like the whole amnesty means like, you know, you get three years of them and then like no hangover. You know, no, no, like, I, I, I get that. But what I'm saying right. is, so in order to in order to make it basically like who's more valuable to the Rangers big picture in the next three years, you guys are saying Eric Carlson over Artemi Panarin. Yeah, I think, I think so. so. Yeah, mostly because I've watched us play defense. I know, but what if <laughs> how valuable is Eric Carlson if Neil Pionk is his defensive partner? <laughs> I mean, you you got to consider this too, right? Like, yeah, at least yeah. with Panarin, I know he's playing with Mika. And I, I know that first line is going to be dynamic, and it's going to put up a shitload of points. Mika Bush Panarin is really fun. Like, that is really fun. Well, well yeah. like, I, don't know, I, I don't know about that. Like, do you think, I, do you think they'd keep KZB? Because, like, they have so many young players. You're, you're like, assuming Cryer's you just... still here. He's, he's, Jacob Truba's on the team now. Oh, right. I forgot. <laughs> well, no. I, I, honest, I, honestly, if the Rangers sign Artemi Panarin, I think the only guaranteed person next to him. KCB's been broken up twice under two different administrations. I don't think they have any hesitation to put Buchnevich further down in the lineup. And, by the way, that's very fine with me if you have a guy like Panarin. Um, well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking more like Hedl, like his like, first like, bona fide you know, top six center role. And it's like, you know – I could see them attaching Panarin to that just because it's like, you know, you have a twenty, you have like a twenty-year-old center, like that that might have some growing pains. Like, you know, Panarin's a great way to kind of, you know, give him some leash. I don't know. Is 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 the other end of that sword though? It's like, yeah, you better produce now, Heedle, because here's Artemi Panarin. Are you putting too much pressure on a le- a legit child? Well, yeah, I get. You know, it's it's just you run through the things, and it's like, it's almost. Like, is there gonna be is there gonna be a line of three rookies? You know what I mean? Like, is it gonna be like Lemieux, Howden, Heedle? You know, like, are they gonna do that? Like, I, I I just would imagine that they would maybe mix it up, and like, if they're gonna give a really young guy like Anderson or Heedle or Howden, you know, they're they're gonna want to like quote unquote have him with like a, a vet, if you will. I don't know. You, I, what if what if Heedle? Yeah, I mean, under that theory, what if you put Kreider with Heedle, and then I guess I I know how much Booch loves playing on his offside. But a top line of Buchnevich, Mika, and Panarin, yikes, it's tasty. I could fuck with that. That could fuck That's with me, I would like to say. Mika, before we go, plug all your things. Um, well, I don't really write anymore. Your thesis I, can't, paper. I can't really plug that. Okay. I don't think I've written an article in like two years. Just follow so. Mika on Twitter. It's the best. Yeah, um, I, I'm, at, I'm at Hockey Stat Miner, um, and I'm going to be – Posting a lot of silly, silly, silly stuff. Mostly spreadsheets and pie charts this summer. Awesome, man. All right. Thanks thank for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Seriously, we'll have you back on this summer. Of course we will. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Peace out. Transitioning to another interview. Back with our second guest of the day, we have Pete Blackbird. He is a Twitter all-star who also writes for CBS Sports. Pete, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, absolutely. What an intro. Thanks for having me. I know. I wrote that one myself. I didn't actually write it. It's very nice. Uh, we brought you on to talk about the playoffs, which are happening. Now, Greg and I, or at least me, are, uh, I'm not an expert when it comes to teams all around the league. I really just follow the Rangers hardcore, and I know a little bit about the teams. So we brought you on to kind of break it all down for us. 
So the way I think we're going to... Uh, let me preface by saying that I am also not an expert. You know I'm what just, my favorite uh, part about podcasting is? Is that none of us know what we're doing. That's no, my, definitely not. That's my favorite part. Like, everyone's like, no, you guys are experts. Like, yeah, you know about a lot about the Rangers. Do you... Okay, I, Pete, we're going off the rails already. I'm so sorry. When something happens in hockey, do you find yourself getting text messages and messages from people that don't know about hockey that are like, hey, you're an expert. Can you tell me about this? No, number one, because I don't really have any friends to text don't, me. Don't. Uh, and, and the uh, the friends that I do have are usually hockey fans. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't really – and I feel like people, don't, who, people who don't like hockey don't watch hockey, so they wouldn't know about those things anyway. Got it. All right, that checks out. Let's uh, screw that question. Let's move on. Let's start in the East – where we move to the first series I have written down on the paper in front of me, which is the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets beat the Rangers to meet, make the playoffs. They went all in, pretty much traded all their draft picks. And the Lightning, I don't know if you've heard, are maybe one of the best teams in history. Uh, can you give me a little bit of information about this series? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much well covered it there. I, I think, that, you know, the Lightning are are have been wire to wire the best team in the league. And, and Columbus, even for their additions at the deadline, still not super impressive in my mind. And, uh, you know, I've seen some people saying or some people coming away with the feeling that that uh, they feel like Columbus can make a series out of this one. I just don't see it. I, I really feel like this is maybe a, a five game series. Uh, I think the Lightning are too good. And I, I just don't think I just don't see Columbus being a team that really challenges them too much. It, it just feels it feels unfair that. Columbus did all this work to get into the playoffs. They were the one team to really push literally all the chips in to make their big push. They didn't trade Panarin. They didn't trade Bobrovsky. And now they get the lightning. It's just the biggest fucking slap in the face I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Congratulations. You did it. You made it. Now fuck off because you're playing a team that matched the Detroit Red Wings from the mid nineties in terms of points. But honestly, like it's it's their own fault because I really don't think that the Metro was that great this year, and they they had a chance to to be able to finish in one of those top three spots and and, and avoid the Lightning, and they weren't able to do it because they weren't very good uh, down the stretch. And um, it it was a situation for me where I, for humor's sake, for comedy's sake, I wanted them to miss the playoffs completely because I'm I'm just an asshole, and I think that would be hilarious. Welcome but also up. on the flip, <laughs> and on the flip side. Uh, I, I didn't want that to happen because for the sake of the trade deadline moving forward, because then, you know, in, in the years to come, there'll be teams that, you know, should we go all in, should we be aggressive? And then they look at what happened to, to Columbus and, and maybe that dissuades them a little bit from, from making aggressive plays. And I want aggressive plays. I want entertainment at the deadline. So it was a real, like, uh, which way do I lean? So is Tortorella a walking ghost? Is he fired no matter unless they somehow pull off the miracle? Is John Tortorella out of a job next year? Uh, I, I think that there's a good possibility for it, because especially when you look at the fact that uh, GMs who feel the pressure and, and obviously, uh, you know, the GM there is going to be feeling the pressure if, if they get bounced pretty early. GMs that feel the pressure often push another guy on the sword, and it's usually the head coach. Um, to buy themselves a little bit more time if, if that's uh, an, an option available to them. So I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, do I think that it's Tortorella's fault? Not necessarily, but I also think that he he probably doesn't get the best out of this group. Speaking of GMs, do you uh, – this is kind of away from the playoff series, but speaking of Tampa also, what do you think the odds that Yeiserman becomes the Rangers' GM? And by, by GM, I mean president is? 
Uh, I mean, it's certainly interesting that that he's linked to them. I thought for sure that it was going to be Detroit. We all did. Um, yeah, you know, I think that, that that was like the most logical thing. And, and you know, immediately after he stepped down from the Lightning job, people were like, oh, Detroit, Detroit, Detroit. But considering all the success that he has with the Rangers players or, or ex-players, <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Seems like the fitting next step for him to just take over that team completely. Man, that hurts a lot. All right, let's go to the next series, which is Washington, Carolina. Is this the weirdest series of the playoffs? Mostly we have the returning champions and the scrappy jerks of Carolina uh, playing against each other. And I, I just I just feel like Washington is going to wipe the floor with them. Am I wrong in thinking that? Well, really? Before, that's, that, Pete, before that, you jump in, uh, uh, just to tell Ryan, this is the one series I think where um, I saw Michael McCurdy posted his playoff predictions. This was the one series that's literally 50-50 is it really? in terms of who's got the advantage. Again, showing my ignorance. So, so like, I, I get where you're coming from. Like, I think that that's the weakest portion of the bracket, um, like, one to four with Washington, Carolina, the Islanders, and uh, Pittsburgh. Yep. I think those are the, the the four weakest teams by grouping. But I also feel like that's a, a reason why Carolina could just, like, catch lightning in a bottle and then all of a sudden find themselves in the Eastern Conference Final this year. Because I I – I think that they they have a legitimate shot of beating Washington, especially with uh, the Caps losing Michael Kepney. He was a huge piece of their run last year, um, so I think that you know that's a big blow. I think Carolina is a team that uh, you know they've obviously got a lot of good chemistry there. I think that that you know this is an exciting time for them, first time in the playoffs in ten years. I don't know, man. I, I just have a feeling that that might be a team that that surprises people and. You know, not only surprises in the first round, but also when you get to that second round, if they get there, I'm not sold on the Islanders or the or Pittsburgh being very good at all. Like I know the Islanders had. I, I guess we can wait when we talk about the Islanders um, in that next round. So I'll, I'll hold off on that. I, before before we get too much further in these predictions, I know you're a Bruins fan, and I know you just you were, were talking about how closely bunched one through four is in the Metro. How pissed off are you with this playoff? Uh, seating and just playoff format i'm i'm not i i guess pissed off isn't the, the like the correct or the way that i would put it uh, i i just think that anytime you're you have a league and you're seeing like the best teams in a conference meet in the second round as opposed to the the conference final and i think that there's a significant chance that that happens again this year uh both in the eastern conference and western conference so anytime that exists, you have an issue. Like you, we should be seeing the best teams playing in the uh, in the conference final, and I just don't know if that's the case. And I look at, at at that portion of the bracket, the metro portion of the bracket, and I'm like, it's it's wild that one of those teams automatically is going to get to the uh, to the Eastern Conference final because I don't know if any of them deserve it. I guess we'll have to wait to see uh, what goes on, but like. I'm not. I haven't been crazy impressed by any of those four teams uh, throughout the regular season. It just it really does feel like your best two Eastern Conference series are going to be Bruins Leafs, which we'll get to, and then the winner of that series playing <laughs> yeah. the Lightning in the next round. Yeah, for sure. I, I I think that there's no doubt in my mind that those uh, that the the Lightning, the Bruins, and the Leafs uh, are the three best teams in the Eastern Conference. So uh, would you pick Carolina to win this series rather? 
I'm going to, yeah. Uh, and I think it's you know partially just a me wanting to take a chance on them. I also think that Carolina is super, super likable and I'm sort of rooting for them heading into the, into this year's uh, uh, playoffs. But I also think that they have a legitimate shot. So I'm going to pick them. Yeah. I'll go Washington in Any- six because I believe Washington loses in the second round. Any, anytime you could turn a bottom six center into Nino Nino rider straight up. Uh, I am here for it. And that's right. probably why I'm going to go for the hurricanes as well. I will stand alone here. We our next series is penguins versus Islanders. Islanders have home ice. The barn will be rocking in Long Island, and uh, I listen. This Islander, <laughs> I notice. I notice how you correctly said "on" because that became a thing in the last two days. There, well, I'm from here, so I can't fuck this up. And uh, I can tell you that that hasn't been. That's not a thing that became a thing in the, in the last two days. That's a thing that has always existed. That Long oh, Island no. people will always correct you for. Uh, yeah, I will. I promise. I, it, it's just it's just funny because it's when it's coming from Pittsburgh. It's just like, ah, we're going to be in Long Island. It's like, fuck you. No, uh, you're not. No <laughs> such thing. I know the Islanders have been such a strange team this year um, where they've had success while not having the overwhelming talent that maybe the Penguins have. Do you believe they have a shot in this series? Because they are, I mean, the higher seed. They are, do have home, home ice advantage. But a team with the experience that the Penguins have, I have a hard time believing the Islanders can overcome uh star power of that level yeah i'm gonna pick pittsburgh as well and and a lot of it is because of the experience and sort of the front end talent that they have and and how much that front end talent can carry them especially in the postseason we've seen it before and i'm just i think that the islanders i think we saw it down the stretch but like the islanders goaltending is i i sort of believe a fluke like I, I think that that's gonna come come crashing down and uh you know I just I don't necessarily buy them as serious serious contenders. I, they had a nice season, and uh, it's it came at a perfect time for that that organization and that fan base after the summer that they had. But I just don't necessarily buy into them as a serious contender. And I I do think that I'm going to pick Pittsburgh just based off of the pedigree that they have there. And and you know Mike Sullivan's a great coach. I know that the Pittsburgh has a lot of issues on their blue line too, and they're probably going to have. Uh, the worst player uh, in in the playoffs, like who gets regular. I think it was uh, I saw somebody asked a question. It was like, who's the worst player that's going to get regular shifts in the postseason? And I think the answer is is Eric Gubranson. I mean, he's been okay uh, in the second half since since going to the Penguins. But man, they have some issues on their blue line that that I think have once you face a good team that they're going to get exposed. Uh, it's it's just funny because I was one hundred percent expecting you to say Jack Johnson, and the fact that you didn't kind of speaks to that being Jack Johnson. Is, um, it might be worse, but the fact that you have two of those guys on your blue line uh, is really really bad. Three news. more years. Good, three more years. <laughs> I think it's four for Johnson. Did he sign a five year deal? I believe it's four. Yeah. Fuck, I love. No, life. it's four. It's four more years. Four oh more my years. god, this is the best. Yeah, just way to go, Pittsburgh. I just I hate this series because. As non-Pittsburgh and non-Islander fans, we all lose because either the Penguins move on and the fans continue to think their shit don't stink and life is good and they're going to cruise once again, or the Islanders move on and we just never hear the fucking end of it. It's crazy that you like, guys don't think the, the Capitals and Penguins are going to play in the second round. That's like a, it's like a, I know, it's gonna, it just has to happen. happen. It feels so stupid. Like yeah. it, it's going to happen. It's it's uh, it's gonna it's already there. Like I've been to the future. It already happened. It's it's the thing that's happened. So I, I looked at the numbers for Jack Johnson uh, like last week, and 
like among all Penguins defensemen, he ranks second worst at five on five shot share, forty five percent of shots uh, when he's on the ice, and goal share, forty three percent of goals when he's on the ice, uh, and he's averaging nearly twenty minutes a night. So not great, Pretty not great. <laughs> as, as a guy who saw a lot of Dan Girardi doing very similar things, I can tell you, probably not winning a Stanley Cup with that guy in your blue line. Well, guess right. what? And- Dan Girardi's going to win a Stanley Cup. All right, let's move on to the. <laughs> Boston Leafs, uh, Boston Leafs, Boston versus the Leafs, which is a rematch of last year's first round series. If I am correct in saying that you are a Boston fan, I'm not even going to preview this one. You give it to me. Yeah, uh, I, I really, I'm not whistling past the graveyard. I, I think that this is going to be a good series, but that's what a saying that was. Do you say whistling past the graveyard? Yeah. You've never heard that. No. Yeah, it's, it's uh, like acting confident in a, in a pretty, uh, a pretty like dangerous a situation. situation. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, I I don't feel great, um, but I do think that the Bruins are the better team, and their uh, their issues worry me less than uh, than the Leafs issues would worry me if I was a Leafs fan. Like the right side of the Leafs defense is going to be a major problem, and I think that that the Leafs have a significant chance of getting out coached. I'm not a big believer in Mike Babcock. I think he's a pretty overrated coach, um, especially with how he utilizes his talent. And I also think that the Bruins are going to hold an advantage in goaltending and how big that advantage is, 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 you know, up for debate because there's, they've got two guys uh, on either side who are pretty, who have a history of being pretty inconsistent. And we saw it in last year's playoff series, but I do think that the Bruins have, uh, I have a gut feeling that the Bruins are going to get better goaltending in the series than the Leafs are. And I think that those are going to be the big keys, uh, Coaching, blue line, and uh, and goaltending are going to be the three keys that I, that I look at for this series, and I think the Bruins come out on top. The real question I have is, what is the thing Brad Marchand does this postseason that reminds us that he's Brad fucking Marchand? That's a good question. I mean, he set the bar pretty high. Where it's yeah, like, does, it, does he have to straight up? Does he have to straight up French someone this year? He might need to just like pull his pants down and just you know swing swing his dick around after a goal or something. Like I feel like he set the bar so high that only Brad Marchand can come up with a way to top himself. None. Of, it's not even worth us trying to guess what it would be. I just feel like if he was um, a ranger, I would be in love with him, but I'm not. So one hundred percent. Yeah, I feel. 100%. I mean, that, that if you're anybody who says that they wouldn't be a fan of that guy playing for their team is is completely lying to themselves yeah. because we had one. We he's had got Sean a great Avery. personality. He's he's hilarious. Number two. He's an unbelievable player. He's he you know he contributes on at, at every end of the ice in, in all situations. So he's just a guy that that you would absolutely love to have on your team. Does he do su- stupid shit a lot? Absolutely. But uh, but he's a guy that I love, and he has a great personality. Yeah, as a guy who loved every second of Sean Avery giving Martin Brodeur the ooga booga booga in a playoff game <laughs> and then scoring on him, I am one hundred percent here for all sorts of Brad Marchand shenanigans. As long as they're not being done to the Rangers. I'm going with I I think he's finding a way to get the knob of his stick up someone's butt. And it might be John Tavares. <laughs> that's that's my guess. I'm I'm going with it. That might that's help John. Uh, I'll pick the Lee. I'll pick the brew. Oh man. I think it's just going seven. That's where I'm going. Uh it's a cop out, but that's how I really feel. If you think it's going seven, do you have faith in the Leafs winning in Boston finally in no, a game seven? I do not. There you go. I guess There's that answers my question. <laughs> Yeah. All right, let's go west where I really know nothing because I was kind of lying when I was like, I'm a fraud with the east, but I'm not when I'm in the west. First series we have here is Calgary, Colorado. I don't really know anything. I know McKinnon. That, and I know Johnny Hockey. Cool. Fill me in. I, I do think it's nuts that I, I know 
people are going to say I'm stealing this from Elliot Friedman. I'm not stealing. I'm borrowing it. It is nuts that no one's talking about Bill Peters as coach of the year for the Flames. No, I agree. I, there are so many guys that that could have a legitimate argument for them for coach of the year this year. Like it, it just seems like a really wide open race. I, I would even argue, uh, and I, I know that a lot of people have have sort of like pushed back against this, but John Cooper led his team to what 126, 128 points this yeah, absolutely year. Absolutely did. Yes. How, how are you not going to give that guy uh, legitimate due credit? for a coach of the year discussion when he had a historic regular season. I know, I think that where a lot of people are going wrong is that they they're saying, okay, yeah, well, we knew that the lightning were going to be really good during the regular season. Yeah. You didn't know that they were going to be historically great either. And there's a significant gap between that. And John Cooper was a huge part in getting them from really good to historically great. And so that's my argument for him, but that's off track. Uh, yeah, I, I think that Calgary is a team that is is very good. Obviously, the the top seed in the West, but they do have their issues. I don't know if I necessarily trust their goaltending, but I don't think that those issues are enough for me to pick uh, against them in the first round. I think that uh, I think that Colorado's too top heavy. They have a little bit more depth to them than last year, but they're still largely a one one line team, and uh, you know. Calgary's defensive group is is really great and it probably led by uh if he doesn't win the Norris this year he's you know a top candidate in Mark Giordano and so I think that I trust Calgary's blue line to be able to limit um the top line from from Colorado and I, I think that they're going to s- sneak by in probably a tighter series than a lot of people expect but I, I'll say Calgary in seven yeah I just feel like there's no team in the playoffs more just happy to be here than Colorado. Like Colorado Stanley cup is Tuesday when they get the Ottawa pick and it's probably number one or number two. So they're whatever happens with the avalanche. It, it feels like gravy. They're literally playing with house money. The flames have just been the team in hockey. No one talks about because nobody can find Calgary on a map and the lightning have been so good that they've dominated like the best team in hockey storylines, but flames are good, man. They're, Colorado's, Colorado is also a team that's like super undisciplined. They took more penalties than any other team in the league this year. So not great when you look at, at you know, the talent that, that, uh, that the Flames have up front. And if you're putting on them on the power play all the time during the series, like you're going to be in trouble. Let's move on to what I think is maybe the most interesting series in the West, and that's San Jose versus Vegas. This feels like it could be the Western Conference Finals. Am I crazy in thinking that? No, I don't think that's crazy at all. And I, I like Vegas in this series. I I certainly don't like San Jose's goaltending. Martin Jones is going to have to have a hell of a playoffs to make people forget about how atrocious he was during this regular season. And, you know, that's a guy that you that you look at and you, 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 you can certainly point a finger because they managed to end up with that that two seed uh, with with how bad like league worst goaltending this year. So think about where they would have been had they gotten even somewhat decent goaltending. So I look at that and I look at, at, at Vegas's front front six and uh, you know, the depth that they have there adding Mark stone. I think it's a really dangerous team. They, they've, they closed out the season being a little bit inconsistent. Um, but when they are at their best, I think that they have a higher ceiling than the Sharks. So I'm going to take Vegas in a pretty close series there as well. 
Martin Jones, fantasy owner here. How you doing? Um, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, don't worry. My other goalie was Sergey Bobrovsky. I wanted to jump off a cliff this entire season. It was great. I did not win money because how could I? Um, do you find it odd? This goes back to something we talked about before you joined us on the podcast. Do you find it odd at all that Eric Carlson hasn't signed a long-term deal with the Sharks? Um, Sort of, uh, but also – He's a guy I don't blame him for for wanting to hit free agency or at least, you know, touch the market and see, you know, weigh his options and and maybe drive teams against each other, maybe earn himself a little bit more money. It's also not looking it's a situation where it's it's not looking better as the season goes on because he's a guy who's known to be injury prone uh, and he has had trouble staying healthy this year. I, I do think that he's still a really good player when he's 100. percent But uh, how much money are you willing to give out to a guy who's? I think what is he going to? Is he 30 already? Is he? He's he's nearing 30. You're going to have to give him a long term deal. You're going to have to pay him a lot of money. And for a guy that that ha- can't stay healthy uh, over the past couple of years, that would worry me for sure. I agree. Well, that That's leaves us. Don't... You know. Well, yeah. I I mean Carlson. Well, we were talking about this before you came on. Again, we're doing the Phil Sims where we don't really want to sign him to a long-term deal because we just don't trust the injuries. Like, I can't, how can I, how could the Rangers trust signing Carlson to an eight-year deal when they're trying to rebuild? And he, he could be the center point. He might be done by year three. Like, we don't know. It's just a, it's just a total X factor that is something to right. be undiscovered. The only team that should be willing to pay him what he's going to be asking for is a team that needs to win in the next, like, two or three years, and they're willing to overpay for him now. Uh, and then, you know, or at least pay what he's worth now and then get him. He's going to win on the back end of that deal, I think, because you know we've seen the, the injury problems. He's going to make up his money on the back end of that deal. Uh, and if, if you're not competing now, there's really no sense in paying him down the line. Last how season, angry oh, do you think – well, before, before that, how angry do you think Connor McDavid is just looking at Vegas in two years, making the playoffs back-to-back, possibly being good enough to go to back-to-back Western Conference Finals – McDavid, best player in the league, you can't even buy a fucking playoff game. How angry do you think Connor McDavid is looking at any other team in the league, probably besides the Senators, and thinking, well, I'm here and not there? Well, <laughs> at least the Senators have cap space, though. You might actually be able to make an argument that he might look at, at envy with the Senators. He could build that team in his own image, better than He'd LeBron still did. still have to pay for, uh, for Melnick, though. Not not a guy that I'd, I'd love to play for. Never. No. 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 Uh, yeah, Connor McDavid just probably sits at home and cries every single night. Uh, two more series here. We have Nashville versus Dallas. As a Raider fan, we are rooting hard for Dallas, but what chance do you really give them against Nashville? I honestly think that they could surprise. I think that, that Nashville is a team that uh, they're, you know, I think that like what we've seen from Nashville in the past, over the past few years, and, you know, they do have a good roster, Um but I think that they're weaker this year relative to to what we've seen from them in the past. They struggled against good teams in their division this year, and that worries me. You you have to beat good teams, and so I'm a little bit worried about them. Dallas came on strong in the second half of the year. Um, they still have a lot of issues scoring, and maybe Matt Zuccarello helps with that hey. uh, in the playoffs. But uh, I don't know if I trust Dallas – to crack through Nashville's defense enough. Um, but it also depends on how good Pecorine is because that guy can be really hot and really cold. 
uh, in the postseason. So you're really flipping a coin there. But he tends to be good in the early rounds. So I'm going to take Nashville, but I do think that Dallas will give them a pretty good series. Solid Katy Perry reference. That's a that's a big check for me in my book. Um, yeah, I just want a first round pick. So I don't care if it's <laughs> Dallas getting to the Western Conference Finals or Dallas deciding to re-sign Matt Zuccarello in the offseason. Whatever gets me a first round pick, I'm really happy about. So go Stars? Question mark. Yep, that's where I'm at. Also, final series of this podcast segment with Pete Blackman. Uh, we have the Jets versus the Blues. Who's the hotter team? Probably the Blues. But do the Jets have the Jets should be the favorite? Are they? Uh, I still think that they're the favorite, but I'm going to pick uh, St. Louis just because of how hot they've been. Uh, in the second half of the year, they've been an unbelievable team. They're riding a wave right now. Trusting Jordan Bennington, a rookie goalie, worries me. Um, but I I think that that St. Louis is a pretty complete team. Um, and I I really do th- I, I like their defense. Uh, you know, Winnipeg has struggled in the, down the stretch in the second half of the year, and they're certainly not without their issues as well. And I look at I just look at what the Blues have done uh, since firing since firing uh, their head coach, and you know, Craig Berube's Berube's done a great job there, and I like them. I, I really do like that team, and I think this is another series that that potentially goes seven. I like the Blues in an upset. Yeah, once again, just rooting for the picks. If the Jets lose now, it's an earlier first-round pick for the Rangers. So I am all for that. Um, Speaking of head coaches and just how normally boring the NHL is with their their hirings, shouldn't teams look at how the Blues brought in Barubi and do something different instead of, oh, I don't know, the Sabres hiring Todd McClellan for what feels like the 12th time? Yeah, man, the, the the coaching carousel uh, in the NHL is pretty wild. Where it's just, you know, we saw what Ted, Todd McClellan did with high end talent, and how he still couldn't get it done. So you're going to bring him to a team that has high end talent, but you know, he, I don't think that he's going to get the best out of that group. He didn't in Edmonton. Why do you trust? Like, I just don't understand. Maybe, maybe he, he finds. Finds it. I just I don't like that hire, to be honest with you. You know what it kind of feels like? Do you guys remember the old NCAA football games? No, I passed but it out. Yes, yes, where the it's game, just a the, coaching carousel, basically. Yeah, but the game would stop generating new coaches. So it's literally <laughs> the same coaches just getting different jobs at different schools because they got fired from the previous school. That's what the NHL is. They don't know how to create new coaches. So they're like, well, Ken Hitchcock's sitting around. What's he up to? Wow, he great Canadian accent. That was amazing. <laughs> I just, I'm just dying for Elaine Vigneault. That's all I want. Just bring him back. back. Let, let him go somewhere. I don't know where he's going to go. I just want him back in the league because it just, it, it's going to create content. That guy. It's, that's all I want. Yeah, we know, dude. <laughs> we know. Dude, um, he should have been fired like two years before he was fired. Jesus Christ, are we so aware <laughs> of it? <laughs> he, we did we did a podcast the day he signed an extension. I think the entire podcast was me just going like, "Why the fuck did he get an extension?" Well, Why that's what I, that, that was my reaction to Jeff Blaschel getting a, an extension in Detroit. Like, what has that guy done in Detroit to earn uh, to warrant an extension? And it's just yeah, like but, it's just extending guys for the sake of comfort and and like, I, I, it's crazy. Like, I, I don't understand Pete, how NHL. Pete, I gotta works. be honest with you. This is the hundred and seventy seventh straight Monday Greg and I have recorded. 
As you can imagine, that's almost three and a half years. I would say about 120 of those episodes are complaining about a layman, yo. So we are. 120? <laughs> that feels really low. We are experts at shitting on that man. So. Fair enough. Um, before we get you going out of here, want to give us your prediction for the, uh, the, the old cup champion? Yeah, right now I have, uh, I have Vegas and Tampa as my two finalists. And I haven't picked a winner yet. Okay. I think I'm going to pick Tampa. It's 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 such a boring pick because they're they're the best team in the league, but they were so good during the regular season that I have trouble talking myself out of picking them just based off of like narrative and and all that. Like they they just proved to me all year long that they were the best team. I'm going to pick the best team as my prediction. So I'm sorry for being so boring. But so Tampa funny. We're doing the same it. thing, not because the Rangers get a first round pick or anything. Um, (laughs) if if there's, if there's anything I know about boring picks is that they always work, which is why the 80 people in my bracket pool who pick Duke are going to get money from me after tonight. So it's, it's going to be great. Oh, wait. All right. Um, Pete, why don't you plug all your stuff before you get out of here? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Pete Blackburn. Uh, you can listen to my podcast. It's called brunch. Uh, or if you're on Twitter, it's at listen to brunch. Uh, that's basically it. You can read me at cbssports.com. I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff throughout the playoffs. Uh, and then also, uh, on TV for CBS sports HQ, which you can stream as well or stream at cbssports.com. So I'll be everywhere. I have have, have some follow-up questions (laughs) if you don't mind. Yes. I don't, I've not listened to brunch, so forgive me, but I, I consider myself a brunch connoisseur. What is your brunch podcast about for people that don't know? Uh, it's mostly pop culture, so it's it's a lot of movies, it's a lot of TV, it's some music, Fuck. it's, so it's a not touch about of brunch. Sport. It is not about brunch. We do talk about food occasionally. Like, right. I, we, I was so travel. much more interested like five minutes ago. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Pete, I want to thank you, but thank you for letting people know what your podcast is actually about. This way people might go to listen. Um, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we can have you back on in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Peace out, everyone. Oh, yeah. Fuck it. I'm going to end the show now. You can follow me and Greg at Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Pete, you're staying for this. I'm so sorry. You can follow, Greg, okay. you can follow uh, Greg on Twitter at Bushwick's Break. I'm O'Ryan Mead. Please join us this Saturday, April 13th in Manhattan, where Greg and I will be having an intimate afternoon at the gym mill where we thought we were going to sell millions of tickets, and we sold very much not many of them to come through and meet up and drink with me and Greg. So please come get drunk with us. April 13th at gym mill. The tickets are on sale on our Twitter. It's the Eventbrite. At the top of the page, it's pinned. We'll see you all there, or all six of you. Who knows? Love you all. And huge thanks to Daniel Wellington's for sponsoring today's podcast. Don't forget to check out Daniel Wellington's new store in Queen Center Mall this weekend. That's April 13th weekend to meet your favorite New York hockey player, Brady Shea. Click the link in the show notes for more details. They will also, just in case you're wondering, also have a limited time opening offer where you can get a free interchangeable strap with watch purchase. So you can switch up the look for the big game. Next season, just like, listen, when the Rangers come back, you got to look good, all right? It's going to be, we're done rebuilding. We're done. We're going to be winning. So you got to look good. You got to have a great watch on. Or for the big meeting at the office, you got to be a big shot, all right? All right, guys, great show this week. See you guys next week. Here's the outro. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.